And I think as a leader, sometimes we get going so fast that we miss the person um, that the Lord's like, hey, that's who I have for you. And one person is really, really big to God, really, really matters to God. And so if you want to find your purpose, look around you and who has a need, meet that need. Well, what's up, guys? We hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Venture. Venture is a church planting and community development nonprofit that really works with the toughest places of the world serving war refugees, trafficked people, oppressed children, and the unreached. And through Venture Miles, you can make your miles matter by going on adventure hikes. You can go biking, running, raising funds, and also bringing forth awareness in the process. Look, Venture is something that we are both incredibly passionate about. We give to and support. And Mm -hmm. man, we're both Venture alumni of different programs and runs. And we'd encourage you to check out more at www.youngadults.today slash partners. Imagine if you could go and talk to some of the greatest leaders all around the world and ask them one simple question. What is your daily prayer life like? Well, myself and Cam Doolittle and Peter Greer were able to do this with amazing leaders like Francis Chan and John Mark Comer, John Ortberg, Johnny Erickson Tata. And then we expanded our search to global church leaders in six different continents whose ministry and leadership covers over a hundred different countries. And what we discovered was absolutely incredible. People around the world were being led by the Holy Spirit to have similar prayer lives, from a New York financier to someone working in a refugee camp in a war zone. Their prayer lives started looking similar and their patterns were emerging. And we took all those patterns and put them together in a book called Lead with Prayer, a study in the prayer lives of extraordinary leaders around the world. There's a study that said that a supermajority of leaders are not satisfied with their prayer lives and the prayer culture where they lead. And this book, we're praying, can launch a movement of prayer amongst leaders. And this is a chance for all of us to sit at the feet of praying leaders around the world and learn how to pray as leaders. Imagine what would happen if God's leaders around the world started truly becoming people of prayer. It could change everything. This is the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about the faith of the next generation, and we're passionate about reaching young adults for Christ Mm -hmm. in our world today. We're joined today by special guest, Grant Trout. Grant, what's up, man? What's up? Thanks for having me, guys. Thrilled to have you join us and excited to have a conversation on young adult ministry in our world today. And we drop new episodes every Monday to help listeners you know, start their week off strong, strengthen their leadership, appreciate anytime a listener leaves a review, shares this with their leadership Mm -hmm. team or with other young adults. But Grant Trout is the young adult pastor at Harris Creek Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, where he leads the net young adult ministry. And man, we just want to pass it to you and hear a little bit of your journey of life and leadership. Absolutely. Um, My journey is kind of a recent journey. And so uh, I was raised in Dallas, Texas at a church called Watermark. Not sure if you guys have ever heard that, heard of that church. It's it's a bigger church in Dallas. And um, I was raised in church every single week. And, uh, but I, I wanted nothing to do with God. And really at a young age, I said, Hey dad, my goal in life is to play college basketball. That's all I want to do. And so he's a kind of an all or nothing dad. And he took me and my brother and said, we're going to do this the biggest way we can. And so we would travel the country playing basketball. 
And uh, really at a young age, I just found identity in sport. And I, I thought to myself, God, if you are real, uh, I just don't really need you. And that was kind of my perspective, middle school, high school. And uh, I had a lot of injuries growing up. And so these injuries that started to steal at my identity honestly didn't bring me closer to God. It just calloused my heart towards if there is a God, why aren't you letting me play? And uh, so really when, when the sport started to kind of um, lose, like I felt like I was losing it, alcohol and drugs entered in pretty young. I was eighth grade um, and just, man, just searching, like really searching and, um, and, and so throughout high school, I, I was like, I, I, I wasn't an atheist, but I just, I didn't want anything to do with God. And so freshman year of college, uh, I make it through a lot of injuries to UC Santa Barbara to play college basketball. And I remember kind of, you know, you're a freshman and you have all these dreams and my dorm was right on the beach. So water would come up to my dorm and full D1 ride. And I was kind of like, this is where Grant Trout takes off. And uh, halfway through freshman year, I get a career ending injury. And the doctor says, you can never play basketball again, ever. And it was a hip injury. And it was a moment where I had put every single one of my eggs in one basket and it was ripped. And I remember going home and I was crying and I called my mom and and I said, mom, I know who you raised me to be, but I don't know who I am anymore. I I don't know. And, uh, this is really funny, but a couple of days later, I started praying for the first time. And I just said, Hey God, uh, if you're real, I need you to show me who you are. And mid prayer headphones in, walk into our big cafeteria of campus. Chinese man walks up to me, older man. And uh, he goes, Hey, and I pull my headphones out and I go, Hey, how are you? He goes, this is so weird and random. Uh, I'm a pastor at a local church. I want to start a Bible study on campus. And I just, I felt like I needed to come ask you if you want to join. And I said, yes. And he goes, really? He goes, nobody says yes. He's like, nobody wants to join. And I was like, I'm in. And uh, I began to sit with Chris Tang every single week. And he would walk me through the book of John. And uh, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. And he said, the word means Jesus. And guys, you know, but when Jesus begins to reveal himself to you, you can't run from it. You can't shake it. And my heart is just gripping this, this Bible. And I had teammates walking by going, Grant, what? Because what? I had built this reputation. You know, I was smoking, I was drinking and I had girls walking by. And and so I'm like, hey, man, can we meet in like the dark alley? Why? Why? Why cafeteria? And uh, but he's like, Grant, we're going to do it here. And um, through that year, I, I, I was it was a slow process. And then um, I, I went to a faith based gap year program. So I dropped out after freshman year and I went to Canicut camps. Have you all ever heard of Canicut? think so. I have not. Mm-hmm. And, and so they have a gap year program for 10 months. And if you either go right out of high school or after your freshman year of college, you can go to link year, which is 10 months to learn. What do I believe? And why do I believe it about the Christian faith? Amazing. So to prepare you before college, before everything rips at you, you walk in going, it's not my parent. God has no grandchildren. So this is not my parents' faith. It's my faith. And, uh, I went there and the leader looked at me and he said, Hey, uh, if I wanted to know everything about the Apple Watch, its purpose, its settings, its functions, who would I go to? I said, Steve Jobs, its creator. He said, if I wanted to know everything about Grant Trout, his purpose, his settings, the reason he was created, who would I go to? And I was like, my creator. And he said, spend 10 months with me learning why you were created. And that is where I began to see God, not as this angry judge in the sky with the George Washington hair and the wooden hammer. I saw the loving father and I experienced grace. 
And I had heard it my entire life, but it wasn't until identity and basketball was stripped. Uh, and I experienced Jesus in a way that was relational and not religious. And so I transferred after that to a school in Dallas called SMU uh, three years later. And January 1st of 2018 uh, was a morning that I had just come off a night of four different drugs. And so I, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but after that link here, I, I experienced Jesus, but I wasn't ready to give it all up yet. And so I lived in this limbo, this terrible limbo of, I want you, Jesus, but I'm not ready to give it up yet. And that's the worst place you could ever be. And uh, I wasn't experiencing all the world or all of Jesus. And uh, January 1st, 2018, I'm on a beach trip with my best friends. And I had just had the wildest New Year's Eve. And I wake up uh, early and I open up my Bible to Matthew 7. And I've read this uh, so many times. And it just says, you shall know a tree by its fruit. And I don't know why, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit entered my heart and the scales were removed and I just started crying. And I said, I'm not saved. I am not saved. And I, and I pushed all the chips in. My friends woke up and they were like, what happened? And I just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm done trying to find fulfillment in this stuff. And it was really this kind of Paul transformation uh, after that, I did the Watermark Institute in 2020, which is where you're kind of a year of seminary, you learn the Bible uh, and the by the word of God began to change my life. I, I, I wrote it on my heart uh, as I was thinking about staying at the porch in Dallas. Uh, I wanted to work for the porch because JP had a major impact on my life. Um, the Lord clearly said, Grant, you're not ready for the porch. I'm going to send you back to Branson to go back to Linkier to work. And so I went back to when I was a student there, I, I started leading those students. And uh, I said, guys, I used to be a student in the back with uh, the e-cig in my pocket. And here's what Jesus has done for me. And there's actually basketball teams, a part of the link year. So if you're a senior in college and you wanted to play college basketball, but injuries or grades, you can go to a fifth year called a prep year. And so I had a Bible study group of basketball players as well. Um, and as I came back from link year, this was the end of 21. I got set up on a blind date with my now wife and, uh, she went on the porches podcast. A friend goes, Hey, are you single? She goes, yeah, I, we get set up on a blind date. Um, we get engaged in 22. This was last year and we're going, okay, God, what do you have in Dallas? What's the move? And as I was praying one day, I couldn't shake Waco Harris Creek. And uh, I said, please, no, Lord, I can't do Waco. <laughs> I can't do it. God, please, no. I didn't want to work for uh, I didn't want to work for like a church. I, I really I don't I didn't want to do that. And then we decided uh, I told Maddie, I said, hey, I think we need to go to Waco. And she starts crying. And I said, I, I'm not going to force you, though. The Holy Spirit will make it peaceful for both of us. And three weeks later, she couldn't shake it. And so, like I said earlier, before we started the podcast, within a week, we got married and moved our entire life to Waco. And JP, uh, who you've met, I, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. We've had okay, him he's, he's amazing. And uh, he just said, hey, Grant, help out with our young adult ministry. And um, I'm going to train you as a young communicator. And so, guys, I would say a lot of this is new for me. I, I'm a new communicator. Uh, I have the fire and passion of a converted, you know, I, I, I death yeah. to life. That's all I know. And I think I'm in this spot of Lord, I just want to be faithful. And so, yeah, now we're here in Waco with my wife, Maddie, uh, helping run the net at Harris Creek. 
Oh, Grant, thank you so much for sharing your story and just the struggle of what you went through. And I think mm-hmm. so many of the people listening are leading people in that exact season that you were once yeah. in, straddling the line of yeah. eternity, meaning that you're straddling the line of the ways of the world and they're straddling the the realms of heaven saying like, I want what God has, but I'm not willing to give this up. And there's this constant tension of, of many young adults' hearts in the day and age in which we live. And some are on fire. Um, but even the word of God says, if you're not, I'd rather have you be hot or cold than lukewarm mm-hmm. and I'll spit you out. Like, so I'm, I've been in that season of my life, my early twenties, where I was in a similar state of you, just like I'm straddled in the line of salvation. Like mm-hmm. I'm not all in, but I'm not all out. Like I'm curious, but not perplexed enough to give yes. up this, yep. you know? Yep. So yeah. I would just ask, I know you're new on this journey of leadership and everything else, but God has done a work in your life and you are willing to share the testimony of which this journey he has you on. And yeah. for the listener today, who's a young adult ministry leader, um, why do you believe that the faith or why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important in this day and age? Yeah, yeah because at high school, you you have uh, automatic friend group, college automatic friend group. It's kind of built in for you. You're with other students, you're with other kids. And then in a moment you get out into the real world and you have to become an adult. And what I have seen leading young adults is that we are thirst. We are thirsting for community. We are going, I don't know where to find it. And we've never been more connected on our phone, but they say we've never been more lonely and isolated. And you guys know this leading young adults. The the net exists for two reasons, to encounter Jesus and to experience community. And so if any young adult that walks in our, on our room, we're going, hey, if they encounter Jesus and then they experience real community, we're, we're doing a successful job. And so uh, the importance of it is to give them a home. Because I think for co- there's, there's always a college ministry. There's always youth. But for young adults, they're going, I'm not ready to just be in Sunday because I don't look like the mom or dad with four kids. And so I'm kind of... I don't know. I guess I'm supposed to be in Sunday service, but I almost feel a little too young. Where where can I hang out? And so they're hanging out at all these house parties. And I'm like, hey, what if we give them a space to come corporately worship, hear a message about Jesus, and honestly, just hang out, just hang out. And so that's like our goal is to give these people some place to do, like something to do and to meet each other. So, so good. It's amazing. And so break it down. What does the net look like or what happens at the net young adult ministry yeah yeah so guys if you were to come to the net um you would walk in and we got music going and we're trying to make it as comfortable as possible and uh you you would show up and we're really a bi-monthly uh ministry and so we were once a month um and everyone just said hey that's not like we want more and so now we are the second and fourth thursday of the month and so every other week you show up and it's it's worship it's a message and then we are just providing an after party type of space for people to hang out. And so really it's, we're going through series right now and we're in the midst of trying to figure out what works. Um, is it supposed to be a message or is it is supposed to be a Bible study? Um, we have about 150 young adults coming and we're really in the early phases, the first eight months of figuring out what works. And uh, I don't want to be inauthentic. And so coming from the porch, where there's 3000, you know, you can get up and give this big message and it feels almost like, you know, a conference. And I think we've tried to do that some and it works, but also I don't want to be in front of 150 people preaching as if it's 5,000. 
And so sometimes we we go uh, to the stance of let's just sit on a stool and walk through a Bible passage, almost more like a conversation, like we're in the living room. Um, and so the net, really, the, the idea came from Luke 5, when Jesus met Peter on the boat. And he just said, hey, uh, I want to get personal with you. And he said, are, are you done trying it your way? I want you to try it my way. And so when you come to the net, it's for you to experience a personal moment with Jesus where he says, stop trying it your way, cast the nets on the other side, try it my way. And after that experience, you find when he pulled up all those fish, the abundance of true life and true joy. And then at the end, he says, no longer are you a fisher of fish. Your identity has changed. You're a fisher of men. And so to the net, come in, experience Jesus, but we're going to send you out with a new identity as a fisher of men to change the city. And so this is a fort where you come in, you get fed, you get healed, you'll get tools, but you don't live in a fort. You're sent out as soldiers to now change the city. And that's what we're trying to instill in the young adults. Oh my gosh. I think that's absolutely awesome. So we've been able to go to the porch and experience the thousands of young adults that gather. And it is incredible. And Mm -hmm. it is rare for that many hungry people to gather in one space consistently. And one thing we've realized with young adults is we've learned, number one, you nailed it. Community. They want community. They want consistency. They need Christ, but they also need to be connected to the church. Mm -hmm. So those are like the four C's of like the things that we unpack. And we're in those rooms. Like we've had to shift our model of being in the church setting where we're leading um, services and Bible studies to being five years on a college campus, uh, a commuter college where there's no dorms, no sports, just like a terminal of students and constant transition and now leading a nonprofit. So Grant, I would even, I would even just come alongside you and pray, Lord, give them the tactic to reach the generation that's going to reach the city because sometimes it works really well. We're going to, we're going to sit at a round table and have round table discussions. And we're going to have a main speaker on the stage because what we realized about this generation of Gen Z they'll do fine in rows, but I think over the rows of pews, they would prefer a circle. Wow. Even that tactic has really worked for us of saying, hey, instead of 150 of you staring at us like a deer in headlights, you know, like, are you there? We're going to get yeah. you yeah. 10 to meet some new friends. And for wow. the next four weeks, you know, we're going to be covering this topic. And here's your table if you want to be included. So then it breaks it down wow. from a room of 150 where it doesn't seem like, holy cow, 149 people. Whoa, these are my nine that I can sit with for the next four weeks to know that we're going to be here every other week or every week or whatever that looks like. So that's just something that we've learned that the tables um, and the rows and eyeball to eyeball can kind of just come at odds with each other sometimes. So kind of going for whatever vibe you're looking for, but that's amazing. It's just super fun to just brainstorm of what does God want us to do? And what do the people need? Not what do I have to say? Right. So that's something as a leader. And it's weird how like geographically it can be so different. Seriously. It's like, oh, this group of people need this. And an hour down the road, they need something totally different. Yeah. And it's so cool to meet other young adult pastors and leaders that are going, what's working for you? I may try that because these people, you know, it's just, it's Dallas and Waco, totally different types of people. And I'm growing, it's the growing pains of learning. Okay. Maybe they need this approach, not this one. Yeah. So good for sure and i mean we we work deeply with a lot of the young adult ministry leaders from across our state here in minnesota Mm -hmm. and i think of just how you describe waco and dallas being so different i think of you know wilmer minnesota is rural 
and there is a 22 year old leader. She is crushing it. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Reaching so many young adults. And, um, it is so <laughs> different than say like Minneapolis. Yeah. Downtown. Right. right. It's so different. <laughs> Just very different. And, um, so, so a lot of it is going to be for the listener. If God's called you to lead a young adult ministry or start one, start praying, start talking to your pastor, but then there's a point at which it's good to hear other ideas, but the Holy Spirit is going to mm-hmm. empower you actually yeah. to Amen. understand these are your sheep. Yeah. 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 The people that God's put you as the shepherd under the good shepherd. Right. And, um, and to lead them towards him. And I mean, with that, we love to be curious and, mm-hmm. and just picking your brain a little bit, Grant, what do you think that maybe the listener needs to be ready for when it comes to reaching and leading the next generation? What's one or two things that come to mind? Yeah. Yeah. I I've learned through my experience is without uh, vulnerability and authenticity, they're out, they're out. And, and so when you lead from a place of, I don't have it all together either, all of a sudden their ears perk up and they're like, okay, so you're not this pastor up here with a 10 foot wall in front of you. You're not preaching at me. You're, you're speaking with me. I've learned that when I lead with my wounds, I lean with vulnerability. They're drawn in. And so for any leader out there, any young adult pastor, it's like, don't act like you're perfect. Mm-hmm. Lead with how you're struggling. And so for me in 2019, I had my first panic attack ever. Uh, it's been a three to four year struggle. Mm-hmm. Like when I say struggle, I mean, uh, had one had a panic attack for eight months straight wow. and uh, I couldn't leave my house. And what that did was cripple my ability to speak in front of people uh, for two years. I, I felt like I was muted. And now God is calling me to this position of leadership before this podcast. I am sitting here praying because as simple as a podcast on Zoom, my legs will start to shake a little bit and I will get so nervous and I'm going, God, I need your strength. And um, I can either hide that, mask that and go, I'm good, I'm strong. Or just be like, there have been times I've had to get up in front of people and go, hey guys, can you give me one minute? My my heart's really flying right now. Just let me come down. I've got something to say. Just let me let me breathe for a second. And uh, and people automatically are like, I'll follow that. And and I heard even, you said Kroger or Shelley's like, they won't follow a leader that's always right, but a leader that's always real. And if you're always real, there are times I'm sure you show up to team meetings and you're like, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to give. And, and there is a level of you, you do need to lead. But also when you lead in that place of here's my wounds, all of a sudden they're like, all right, I, I will trust that. And so building trust has been something that I've had to do the first eight months here is you, if you want to lead people, you got to be with the people. Yeah. And so one thing to get up on a stage and say, follow me as I follow Christ. But if they don't know you, then there's this level of separation. And so the lunches, the coffees, the meetings, they said, they said the people of Israel loved David because he came in and out of the people. And when Saul was still King, David was with the people and their hearts, you know, connect with that. And so I've always loved that. It's like, Hey, if you're going to lead people, be with the sheep, know the sheep. And uh, you can't be the shepherd that's just always at a distance. And so vulnerability, authenticity, and just this being with the sheep mentality is something that I would say is huge. 
Wow. I think that's, that's dead on of what we've been experiencing as well. So I think you're just confirming the things that we've, we've seen and just affirming like, okay, we're onto something as we're leading young adults. Like we want to be those people as well. Like we lead from authenticity and mm. we just want to be real and raw and honest. And one of those things is like, we don't even, we use raw content for this, this podcast. So if you're listening, right. you're like, do you guys edit this? No. There's one time I called Josiah, my cousin, I was trying to say husband and co-host. I said, cousin, and he's from like the East coast, like down South, whatever. And he's like, well, that's actually okay down here. And I was like, well, that's not okay. Here's my husband. Totally, not my totally. cousin. So, it was a Dave Ramsey um, personnel. So it was even more funny. I was like, oh, but it's gosh, it's, but hilarious. It's, just, it's so, I think you're onto something grant of like, I can follow somebody who's real and authentic. Yeah, like if they yeah. can let their guard down around me and not act like they have it all together, that yeah. just decreases my fear, but increases their curiosity of how God wants to use me and use them. And it causes us to lean in a little more of like, whoa, there could be something here. Like I'm going to take time to ask those questions. And one question that we love to ask, um, and you may be new to this, but we would just love your insight, but what are some opportunities or ways that churches and pastors can start creating discipleship opportunities for the next generation in their churches and their communities? Yeah, I would say start with a young adult ministry. I, it's, it's actually shocking how many churches don't have one. And um, and they're going, is there a spot for me? And I'm like, hey, you've got to grow. Like you, you've got to invite one young adult that's bought in and just go, hey, you lead it. What about you? And I think there's a lot of consumers at the church. And so what JP always says our pastor is, the church is not a building. The church is the people. And he says, it's the difference between uh, a battleship and a cruise ship. And he says, a cruise ship is you show up to be served. You show up for the all-inclusive. You show up, I better like the seat. I better like the food. But the battleship is I'm here to serve and I'm here for battle. And so when you start to call your young adults of your congregation to not consume, but to, to lead, really that's like step one is give them an opportunity, call them higher. I think we're shocked that we set the bar so low for young adults because we're afraid to turn them off. But really, when you set it high enough, they're like the hungry ones. They're like, I want to reach that. I, I want to be a part of that. And so what we're learning here is, OK, I feel hesitant to call you that high, but I'm going to. And it's working. It it's working. Hey, this is what a young adult who is in love with God. This is what they do. They're a part of the church. That's number one. Two, I think, is um, is instilling belief, meaning uh, like when I see, so I have, a, I have a leadership team of 10 people and they're all lay volunteers. We've just identified leaders and we've spoken identity over them. And so when you see a leader in your community, uh, a lot of the times they don't know they're a leader and, and they may not be ready to get up on stage and say, here's what the book of John says. But they could lead another person or they could come under your wing. And so speaking identity over the the the, the leaders that you see, I think is huge. Um, encouragement, it takes zero skill. It only takes intentionality. As Christians, we got to be the greatest encouragers of all time. And I don't know why we hold back from what we see. And I think especially, I, I bet y'all can relate to this. Uh, people look at you guys and they're like, I bet they don't really need encouragement. I bet they get it all the time. You know, as pastors, you, that you're going, I am actually in desperate need of encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus says, treat others the way you want to be treated. And I'm like, all right, then I'm going to fire out encouragement. It's not hollow. It's not fake. But I want to, I want your words, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue. I believe that whatever you speak, it's either death or it's life. I don't think there's the middle ground. And so every time I speak to someone, I'm like, 
supernaturally, I believe that through the spirit, I can speak life into you. And so when I see leaders, I'm going, hey, I had breakfast with a guy yesterday. I just said, hey, you have leadership on you and God is calling you to something great. And the moment they hear that, they're going, maybe I do. And, and the spirit in them rises up. And that's how you create leaders. Joshua, his one failure as a leader, no successor. There was no one behind Joshua. And so that's when the judges era came and they're like, well, then we want a king. And it's like, Moses was faithful with Joshua. So who is your Joshua? Who's your Timothy? And the Lord has kind of made this clear in my young adult stint here at Harris Creek. Grant, operate this as if you were to leave tomorrow. This would be fine. And so me and my partner are going, you do ministry through people, not to people. So how do we delegate? So I want to get reps at speaking to grow, but also I don't want this ministry to hinge upon my personality. And so how do I give other people reps? And so I'm finding ways to call your lay volunteers to lead. And so one of our last net nights, our leaders ran the entire night. They let our team huddle. They let a testimony beforehand. And then five or six of them let a panel on community. And then we have a next steps room where if it's your first time or you want to get plugged in, you go to next steps. And we had two leaders in there lead our next steps room. And so all of a sudden they're going, this is my ministry. I'm a part of it. And we're sitting back on staff going, it's our job now to, to instill belief in these leaders so that they can run it because we won't always be here. And you've seen churches, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting going right now, but you see churches that are built upon one personality and they fall, which is the, so sad, or they leave and the church crumbles. And it's like, how do we not let that happen? And Grant, yeah. I mean, what, going back to what you said a second ago, doing ministry with this idea of not two people, but through people. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the Holy spirit. That's Jesus. Yeah. He, and he both ministers to us, but then uses us to minister to others. And I mean, that is Ephesians four equipping the saints mm -hmm. to do the work of the ministry. And I mean, talk about that. Talk about your thoughts. What is your hope for that team? Yeah. And and I'm I'm just thinking of the listener who maybe their next step is building a team. Yeah. To accomplish yeah. the dream that God's given them. That's or good. maybe they have a team, but developing that team because it's it's two different important yeah. skill yeah. sets. One is like recruiting, come play for the team. But yeah. the other is, hey, we've got to do some development and skills training. training yeah. So yes. that you yes. have the skills of what you so it could be team building, but Go, where are your thoughts on equipping the saints? Totally. So character far outweighs talent and gifting. And so when you find someone with the character, they might they may not have the look, they may not have necessarily that outward talent, but they have character. That's what God's heart searches for. That first Samuel 16, nine, he says, the Lord sees not as man sees, he sees the inward. And so to have eyes to not just see outwardly, are they beautiful, but inwardly are they beautiful? And so when you identify that, you go, okay, God can work with that. And then it's, hey, come alongside me. And because a lot of people don't have a big pool of leaders to choose from. And so don't get stuck on trying to find these super impressive who has the character and who has the hunger. When you find the one that's bought in, man, I just feel like that's the Peter. Like that's the Peter that's like, I might say a few cuss words. I'm new in my faith, but I cannot wait to ride for you, Jesus. And uh, man, take those guys alongside you. The biggest thing that separated us 
is that I identified leaders, me and my partner. So we kind of share it 50, 50. We identified leaders. We didn't get stuck on um, finding the perfect one. You obviously vet them, but you, you, you see their character and you say, Hey guys, you get them in a room and you cast vision for something worth giving your life to. And no matter if there's 10 people showing up to your young adult ministry or 10,000, you cast the right vision that if you want to be a part of something great, let's do it. And all of a sudden they're going, this is worth something giving my life to. And, and then we went on a retreat. And so guys, your retreat can be an Airbnb. It can be a day trip. When you get away and yeah. you have shared experiences together, preferably overnight, that took our team from a bunch of individuals to a unified team going, we're in this together. And, and so I don't know the budget. I don't know what you would look for, but that began to change our team. And then as Freddie and I began to go, how can we equip our team first so that they can equip the ministry? We just, we went through a book together. It was 30 days to growing in your faith. And we just said, Hey guys, we're going to go through this entire book. And uh, it, we, we would meet every single Thursday with all the men and we just, that began to bond us. And when they begin to trust you and you begin to speak identity over them, you're building leadership. And, uh, and there's so many more things, but that's kind of what we've done now uh, in order to just raise up these leaders that are going, this is my ministry, not grants. This is just as much mine as grants. And I think that's a really cool spot to be in. That's For awesome. Sure. Grant, I just love your execution and just your approach of that, of just being able to identify and call out leadership in the people, having them say yes, not to you, but to the leadership that God has instilled in them. And you get a right. of that, don't get me wrong. But then having that retreat, I don't think I don't think there's anything more beautiful than getting people together and almost having like a mission, like you're on a mission trip experience. Like you're seeing the good, the bad, the ugly. My dad always said, if you really want to know somebody, go on a road trip with them and drive in the car and just go across country or even go 10 miles. And you will find out who the whiners are, the complainers, the enthusiastic, the people are there for fun. Like you'll just, you'll just discover that. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. It says you will, you will see things in people and learn how to play well with them. Um, and then going through a book. I mean, I love this. We went through a book that was actually, we were taught during Chi Alpha by one of our, I guess he was in it for 30 plus years and he's still leading in Fargo, um, Grand Forks, North Dakota area. But when he would identify a leader, what was the name of the book? Small group university, Small university yes. by, uh, Brad Lewis. This guy has okay. pastored, um, 35 years on the same college yeah. campus and oh my gosh. they average, I don't know, 500 college students a semester and like i don't know if it's like 50 bible studies or something wild yeah, like that yeah. throughout the years so i mean he's just him and his wife oh. have been doing this for so long but there are four things and i don't know if this is for you or for somebody on the podcast but he looks yeah. for four things that we've kind of adopted and went, what do we look for in a leader that they demonstrate even before we offer any form of leadership and that's s-t-a-r are they a star Meaning, are they spirit filled? Mm. Do they have a real, real relationship with Jesus and have been transformed by the Holy Spirit? Two, yeah, are they yeah. teachable? Are they teachable? Are they willing to learn? Are they going to ask questions? Like, do they know that we don't have all the answers and they don't either? Are they teachable? Yeah. And then, A, yeah. are they available? Are they available? Does our calendar allow it? Are they available to what the Holy Spirit, what God wants to do? Are they available to participate in this form of leadership within the ministry? And the last one is, are they responsible? Are they showing up? Are they doing what they said that they're going to do? Do they know how to right. manage their time? So we look at S-T-A-R, like, are they a star? It's like spirit-filled, teachable, available, like 
I'm looking for a pen right now. I'm trying to write all this down. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes too. Or okay, great. This is this is amazing right here. <laughs> no, that's so good. When 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 Brad gave that to us, I was like, oh man. Because oh. not everybody should be in a form of leadership right away. Absolutely. I think sometimes when we're scrambling yeah. at the bottom of the bucket, we're like the bear, like the monkeys in the bottom of a barrel. We're like, where are all the monkeys that we could try to, you know, pull out and have some yeah. strong leaders? And you're like, yeah. God, where are all the good leaders? Yeah. And then yeah. we just start taking anybody, but that's not good either. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could develop people. Don't get me wrong, but I interrupted you. Sorry to say. Oh, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Star that's from small group university. Yeah. Yeah. I got to That's amazing. We, we, it, it sparked a, a memory. Like when you say available, so the, I think one of the greatest tools that we've seen is getting people in a living room with a guitar. Mm. And that has done so much more for our leaders than almost anything where yeah. it's like when you invite someone into a home and you begin to just worship Jesus together. That's where the spirit just loves to take off. And that's our greatest vision for the ministry that's happened there. Our greatest tears have happened there. The greatest laughter happens there. And so uh, it's like, yeah, the event is cool, but the event without the living room moment, it's like, that's how it's forged. Yeah. So wow. good. I love it. Well, how we love to close each episode, Grant, if you're up for it, is we put five minutes on the clock and kind of ask you five rapid fire questions, maybe stuff that... People couldn't find out about you on other podcasts. Right, right. You up for that challenge? Let's do it, man. I'm ready. All right. You want to go first? Sure. First question is, why do you believe um, discipling the faith of the next generation is so vital and important? Because it's the model Jesus showed us. And he took 12 and better yet, he took three. And he said, and guys, we're not going to out strategize Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And he showed us the model. He said, I will in times speak to the crowd, but how I'm going to live my life is with the 12. And that's not sexy because that takes time. That's some pain. You got to deal with people, but it's how you change the world. And so you change the world by impacting three people that impact three people, that impact three people. And I think our generation is so hungry for the stage and the 10,000, and you are skipping the model Jesus said, and you will not, you will not out strategize Jesus in that. That's so good. All right. Here's question number two, a fun and lighthearted one. What's a hobby you enjoy outside of any form of ministry? Man. Um, are y'all pick? Is Minnesota? Is it pickleball up there? Oh, it's pickleball fever all around the Everywhere. globe. I think. Where? But here's the deal. I, me and my wife haven't played yet. I recently discovered I don't think I have hobbies, and it's not okay. Um, because of my injury in basketball, I, I haven't been able to do a lot. And so, for for Maddie and I, we're trying to get into pickleball. Uh, but we love movies. Like we'll go to the movie theater all the time and get our candy and just like that's our sweet spot is after like a long week go sit in a movie doesn't have to be it's like from disney to action put us in the theater that's like that's our sweet spot i love that so so fun did you collect um sports cards as a kid or anything i did i did loved them cool i don't know if that's been mine lately like um really nostalgia like getting back into cards a little bit okay who's your team then this is like bonus answer so i'm a i'm big time so dallas cowboys dallas mavs i'll ride or die for for those teams all right let's go are you guys timberwolves 
Yes, sir. And they are a hot team. Don't I like the T-Wolves. I like the T-Wolves. <laughs> well, if That's you're ever amazing. up here, let us know. We'll get you some seats with us. <laughs> It'd be amazing. We'd love that. We'd love that. Uh, what about if you could ask us anything today? No questions. Yeah. What would you want to know? Man, I one, um, how do you guys, uh, here's what I'm, and this is probably deeper than it needs to be, but how do you guys make sure your tank stays filled? Because here's something I experienced. Uh, this is my first year working for a church. I've always heard, great, if you just abide, um, then you know you can always pour out. Always. And what I found about a couple months ago is I didn't stop abiding, but my tank was extremely empty. And I found myself walking into meetings or one-on-ones already irritated. And I'm going, that's when I know my soul is on blinking yellow, orange, red. I, but but I didn't I didn't stop my Bible reading. And so um, I've had to find new ways to kind of stir my affections for Jesus, for it to stay fresh. How have you guys, full-time ministry, two kids, how do you guys stay fresh, filled up, and ready to pour out? Phenomenal question. That's a great question. You want to go first? Yeah. I mean, for me, most mornings I'm running. I'm outside. The The road is my gym right now. And mm-hmm. and like some sort of exercise that helps. Um, Bible, journal, pen, some quiet time. Um, the other marks of like, what one author put it like, what makes it your perfect day? And then have as many perfect days as you can. Wow. Um, So I kind of like that of, okay, maybe not every day can be a perfect day, but what are the things like we live in Minnesota where it's usually cold in the winter. And so like Mm -hmm. we saved up for five years of our marriage to get a hot tub Mm -hmm. so that like, so a hot tub at night, like, man, investing in our marriage. So like, so I think it's just like, also maybe one more is having, I guess two more. One is a group text with a couple guys that I can just be like good, bad, ugly with everything all the time. And then something on the calendar to look forward to, like, man, should we get Timberwolves tickets for tomorrow night? Or man, uh, maybe next month, like we were just on a travel website just to see like, hey, we got some points. What do you think about maybe this point in the year? Like Uh, we bring the kids, we were offered a place to stay. So I think it's just a variety of things. But, um, you know, I think Andy Stanley with leadership one time said something to the effect of, I can't promise to fill your cup but I can promise to empty mine. Mm. And I was like, that's good. Man. And at the same time, it's like, I, I know your heart to like pour out your cup. And so I know like, if you were to ask me about you, like, do you trust my ability to empty my cup to other people? I'd be like, yeah, I just like, do you, are, are you mm-hmm. also taking the time to make sure that it's, mm replenishing you with like if you told me man 15 minutes a week in a baseball card shop brings me some great nostalgia and, and joy in my life yeah be yeah. like then, then man maybe try it for a second <laughs> totally you know what totally. i mean yeah. i do and, and real quick the the physical aspect when you say running man for for five years when that hip injury came i didn't i could not do anything physically And I realized that I was doing everything spiritually and nothing physically. I wasn't sweating. I was lifting, but nothing competitive that took a toll on my mind and my soul. So I love that you said that's, it's under appreciated aspect of staying healthy, like 
emotion uh, spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I have like five things written down <laughs> that I'll, I'll self selfless yeah. here. I yeah. would I would say one thing, Grant. You're not alone in leadership. Leadership is lonely. I don't care mm-hmm. whether you're leading ten or ten thousand or ten million. Like leadership is lonely. So outside of your marriage, I would encourage you to start praying for God-filled friendships. Like you have those couple guys you can go to, and it's not that they need to know the nitty gritty of ministry, but they do know your soul. They do know your dreams. They do know your aspirations and they will be the Jonathans in your life. Like to you as a David, like they will hold up your arms. We willing to have your back. So I would just begin to pray, Lord, show me my lifelong friendships that I need to embark upon because 30 years from now, I want, we want to be, we began our marriage with the end in mind and we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant in our marriage, in our ministry, in our parenting and anything we put our hands to. So I would say you're not alone when ministry can be lonely or leadership can be lonely. So finding those people and praying them in. One thing that I always keep my spirit in check that God showed me a long time ago when I walked into meetings similar to what you're experiencing, like I'm angry before I even sit down. Why am I so irritated? My soul is just agitated. And it was a reminder. And God said, you're not God. And you're not the Holy Spirit. So I think when we take that burden out of any form of mentorship or discipleship, and I sit down with a young girl and I go, I know you admire me, but I just said yes to Jesus. I'm just like you. I just said yes. And I need you to know, young woman, that I am not God and I'm not the Holy Spirit, but I do believe in God and I can point you to him. And I believe that I can function in the Holy Spirit. And I believe you can too. That just takes a leadership burden off the mental circus that it can do or just the persona of our ego just needs to be stroked when i realize like god be seated on the throne of my heart remove me like when we put that into perspective that just helps why we we get to do we get to do it becomes an honor and not a i building my kingdom no we're building god's kingdom because my heart is in the right place so good um the third one is find an outlet like josiah said my outlet is um demoing the house or remodeling elements of the house room by room or project by project because in ministry you will have an impact on people that you will never see on the side of eternity and that can be exhausting to a young Mm. leader yeah but when you put your hands to something of building of a table wow there's a start there's a process and there's a finish and now i just get to enjoy it like god like i was able to do that and it's an outlet because it's like Oh, I can turn on music. I can listen yeah, to podcasts. Yeah. I can do something tangible with my hands. There's a final product, man. That is yeah. that that hits me hard because I feel like right now I'm not seeing something completed. Yes. It's constantly, and that's why I think I'm searching for encouragement. Welcome to the like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm like, somebody tell me I'm doing something. Like you're doing great. Yeah, like <laughs> you're doing better than you think you are, and God's doing more than you think He is. So that is yeah, what our friend Nick Nelson would say. Yeah, totally, oh totally. Gosh. That's amazing. And there's okay, I have two more or one more. Um, I've had to pray this and I've had to go back to this, and it's kind of like take me back to my first love. And it's Lord, teach me mm. how to love you and your people because I can easily become bitter in this my own spirit if I allow my flesh to cry out of like. Oh, people. But it's like, no, these are God's people. These are God's sheep. And he's asked me to help shepherd them in this season. However long I have them, whether it's 10 days, 10 years, or 10 minutes, I don't care. Like God help me to walk into every room and to know that I'm a thermostat for your kingdom. And I can change the culture and the temperature in this room because of my entombment with you and alignment, not Mm. out of my own selfish ambitions. So I guess those are things that I come back to. Those are kind of some pillars of my like 
why do I do what I do? Or why do we get to do what we get to do? Yeah. And how do we come back to that? So yeah. Yeah. that's a very long yeah. answer for all of us. So we- I, I need the show notes badly, guys. <laughs> oh, I need it. Yeah. That's so good. Thank y'all. What about this? If you question four, Ooh, here we go. if you could travel a place and bring a snack, where would you go? What would you bring? Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, so badly want to go to Switzerland. Okay. I, I just, I want to experience it. The mountains, like I've just all, that's my spot. Um, <clears throat> so have y'all ever had the, uh, like the Buffalo pretzels? Those like very thin, um, you've never had maybe it's a maybe it's a south that it's, so. it's these very thin big pretzels so don't think the thicker ones they're almost flat and they're big and they're just seasoned with this buffalo it's my i will take that anywhere it's i love buffalo crazy i love okay. that we'll have to come down south to waco i also want to see chip and joanna's stuff while i'm down there <laughs> you got to yeah you guys got to oh my sure. gosh okay because sure. you're such an encourager or you want to vomit encouragement everywhere you go because we all need it as leaders as well totally. as you need it for your soul grant yeah. if we were to give you the microphone if you could leave the audience with one word of encouragement what would mm-hmm. you want them to know today a month ago i watched the movie radio Y'all seen that movie, the football movie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he starts to pour into the guy with special needs um, and he just begins to change his life. The Lord spoke to me so clearly in my heart and he just said, Grant, don't forget your radios. And I think for people in ministry, especially leading, it can become kind of this bigger thing. And uh, finding purpose is not this big kind of moment destiny we're always like what's my destiny and it felt like the lord was like grant find someone around you that is hidden and hurting and in need and meet their need and serve and so find someone that can do nothing for you and serve them and take them to lunch and begin to pour into them that has filled my heart with so much fulfillment and joy and when he says find your radios it's not someone you know with that condition but it's someone in life that's hurting that maybe feel overlooked. And I think as a leader, sometimes we get going so fast that we miss the person um, that the Lord's like, hey, that's who I have for you. And one person is really, really big to God, really, really matters to God. And so if you want to find your purpose, look around you and who has a need, meet that need. And it's serving. And so the greatest of these are not leaders. The Lord says they're servants. And so the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. And so how do you become least of all? All the while you continue to lead, you become least of all. And so um, just like this idea of serving and loving, the Lord has so heavily put that on my heart of my kingdom's flipped grant. So uh, what matters to man doesn't necessarily matter to me. So find someone, find the one person that's hurting and show them my love. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, what a note to close on. And Grant, thanks for that. And thanks for this conversation today. Thank you guys so much. I feel like we bonded as as deep friends already. I'm ready to come up to Minnesota. I know. Our retreat hour. Power hour. (laughs) I know. I love it. I love it. No, thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. This is the Young Adults Today podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone you know.
judge me, I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.